0: Welcome to the One Crossing podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, how are you doing, Crossing Church? You doing all right? Woo! it is good it is good to be in the house of the lord it is good to be with the people of the lord it's good to dive down in to the word of the lord and be forever changed because the lord dwells in his people and uh, i'm just excited to be able to share this time along with you now you already know from last week that we have a special guest and that's dr mark moore and uh you know how this guy divides the word of truth you know how he Shares with you, and the word just comes alive. It's always been amazing, and he was always the guy uh, when he was teaching at Ozark. Everybody wanted his class. Everybody always wanted to sit at his feet and listen to him say, talk about the words of the Lord. I mean, so many things that uh, that he has done that have impacted so many people. Like his work on the life of Christ, absolutely incredible. We use that in MDI, but I want you to know that Mark has not always. Just been like that kind of man of God because when I first met Mark, he was actually a superhero, and not just any superhero. I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal something to you right now. Mark Moore is Spider Man, yes. and if you don't believe me, there he is right there. That is Mark Moore, and if you and of course you, you wouldn't have known that then. Uh, You know, and and Mark was a great spider-man. He was an awesome spider-man, but he got a little uh, a little out of control uh, Especially with the ladies he did and uh, we have that as well I think you can see that he got he got a little crazy with of course this one. He actually ended up marrying and uh, this is his wife. This is Mark and his wife back in school. But we were all a little, a little crazy back in school. We were all a little superhero-y in school. Uh, this is Allison and me at that same event. I think you've got that. Yeah, I'm the cowboy. And she is the saloon girl, that's right. She hasn't always been that good girl you, you think, you know. You know? We, 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 all, we all have our history. But I am so thankful for what God, the work that God has done in Mark and through Mark, and I'm excited to share him with you again today. So will you guys give it up for Dr. Mark Moore?
1: Thank you, my brother. I I, I didn't know that they uh, still had that picture around. Every year, uh, Jerry, uh, my freshman would discover that picture in the annals of the yearbooks. It would kind of be passed around from generation to generation. They also found out at uh, Christ Church of the Valley, where I now serve as teaching pastor, they found out that I did a (laughs) Spider-Man. I shouldn't say this publicly. They bought me a full Spider-Man outfit and asked me for one of our staff days to, it was kind of an outdoor, different activity kind of thing. They wanted me to teach yoga to our staff in a Spider-Man outfit. Which sounds like a really good idea until you realize some of the poses that you have to avoid when you're in a Spider-Man outfit. Anyway, can we just, can we just get onto the message here? We're talking about the Word of God. And a lot of people have asked me, why did you write Core 52? What inspired you? It was actually the people of my church, the people like you have in your church, uh, people like uh, Tiffany. I'm just gonna tell you one story of one person who made this book come alive. Tiffany is a woman who came to our church. Like many people, she had had a, a pretty rough background. In fact, she gave me her family heirloom Bible. It's a big thick thing. You've seen it on people's coffee tables. This one had a big red uh, cover on it, color pictures inside it, and all her life growing up, Tiffany remembers going, to, she's fascinated with this book, pictures and big red cover. Every time she touched it, she would get disciplined. Don't touch the Bible. Don't touch the Bible. But it was there. It was on the coffee table. In all their Christmas photos, and all their birthday photos, there's the Bible on the coffee table. And what was so difficult for her about that is she got in trouble for touching the Bible when the men in her mother's life did not get in trouble for touching her while she was staring at the Bible. I'll just leave it at that. Her abuse was over a number of years. When her mother finally died, she inherited the possessions, she's going through them, opened a box, and there was the Bible. And she could now touch it with immunity. She pulled the Bible out and set it on the counter, and when she opened up the cover, the cover literally fell off. And that's when she decided, I'm gonna give this Bible to you because I don't want it in my life. There's a lot of sadness in her story, but Tiffany somehow came to Christ. Someone shared the word of God with her and she opened it up and began to read it. And I wanna show you a picture of Tiffany's current Bible. She will not be giving this to her daughter as an heirloom because it's gonna be in tatters and rags. She underlines, she scribbles, she writes notes. This is going to like not be an heirloom. But here's what I know, if you have a Bible in tatters, your life typically isn't. Before Stephanie's mother or Tiffany's mother died, she didn't just receive the gospel, she shared the gospel with her mother. And I wanna show you the happy ending to their story. This is Tiffany baptizing her mother at our church. That's why I wrote Core 52. Because this book, the Word of God, changes lives. And and I could tell you other personal stories, but let me just go to a macro view of what the Bible does. This is not my research, but it is huge research. Over 200,000 people, their lives were investigated, and they asked them about their drinking habits and their marital practices, have you been arrested? All the kinds of sociological data, over 200,000 people. Here's what they discovered, the major discipline for transforming your life. There's none other like it. This is why Clayton keeps preaching about the Bible in the Bible. This is why Jerry keeps preaching about the Bible in the Bible because this book changes lives like no other habit. Those people who are Bible engaged, meaning you read the Bible four days a week or more, you're Bible engaged. The stats of your life are staggeringly different. Here's an example. Drinking, excessive drinking drops in Bible engaged people by 57%. Pornography drops by 61%. Gambling drops by 74%. Sexual immorality drops by 68%. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, if you shake a stick at people long enough they feel guilty and they stop doing something. No, no. The transformation of people's lives from God's word is not guilt manipulation it's actually from positive messages that the Bible gives to you. Because the Bible's gonna tell you, you're a daughter of God. You're precious and valuable in His sight. You're a son of God, you have dignity and inherent worth. And so the positive messages of the Bible actually increase people's positive self-image by over 30 percent. It decreases isolation by 30 percent. It decreases depression by 30 percent. It decreases thoughts of self-harm by over 30 percent. Isn't that something you want for you? Like, isn't this what you want for you? If I, were, if I were in your shoes and if I were an atheist, maybe someone brought you to church and you thought, okay, I'll give it a try, whatever. Even if you have no faith commitment, isn't this what you want for you. So we're gonna talk about how to get into that, but I, I've got to tell you this, it's not just a personal transformation in the Bible. And I'm gonna if I get excited about this, just pardon me, because I feel really strongly about this. In our culture, the negative press against the church is wider and thicker than it's ever been. Oh those Christians, they just, you know, they they're guilt manipulate people. Those Christians, they're judgmental. Those Christians, they're bigots. That is actually not statistically verifiable. In fact, quite the opposite. Let me just give you a few fun facts. Did you know, there's just one example, I'm gonna give you about a dozen. Did you know that the distribution of AIDS medicines where they're needed the most, particularly in Africa, is almost exclusively through Christians, not non-Christians? Did you know that the growth of medical treatment even going back to the first century world was because of Christians staying in the cities when all the Greek physicians fled. Even today, how many hospitals have the prefix saint on them? Did you know that nine of the first 10 higher institutions of learning in our country were Christian institutions? Did you know that public education, starting in Germany, then in Britain, and then in America, all three of those countries public-free education for both boys and girls was almost exclusively because of Christians trying to teach people to learn to read this Bible. You wanna talk about women's equality. No one's done more for women's equality than Jesus Christ himself. Did you know that no other rabbi let women follow him as disciples? And yet we have a story in Luke 10 about Mary and Martha, and Mary sits at his feet. Even her sister complained, but Jesus said one thing is needed. It will not be taken away from her. She's chosen the better. I mean, I could go on with foster care, with right to life, with adoptions, with building homes in Mexico. Virtually every benevolent act that we praise in our culture today has this genesis in biblical engaged Christians living out what they read in God's word. So let me ask you again, don't you want to be a part of that? I suppose because we're church, even on different campuses, we're going, yeah, yeah, we love that. What do you think people outside the church think about this book? There are more people who are more positive about about the Bible than they are about the church. There's more openness to reading the Bible for many people than in coming to church because in church, they may have had a a negative experience. Someone judged them or mocked them or called them out. But the Bible, as honest as it is, people have some sense that there's there's words of wisdom here. There's words of life here. And so there was this one metadata study I ran across I thought was hilarious. Did you know we actually know what people want to know about the Bible who don't go to church? Let me say that more clearly. There are people who don't go to church who still Google, what does the Bible say about? And because of metadata, we can identify the top 10 things that they want to know. I'm not gonna go through all of them. Uh, Number six and seven, I don't think are that important. (laughs) They're hilarious. Uh, Tattoos and dinosaurs, that's number six and number seven. When people Google, what does the Bible say about? Well, let me tell you number three, two, and one, because this is important. Number three, relationships. When your relationships are sideways, when, when things are breaking down, you know where people go? The Bible. Number two is marriages, which is a narrower kind of relationship. When my marriage is in trouble, I have five of my friends right now, five, who are going through a divorce. I think one of the five is gonna make it. You know why? Because they're not biblically engaged. They're not treating each other the way Christ modeled. And it breaks my heart because the solution is right in front of them if they would just access it. The number one thing that non-church going people Google, I wanna know what the Bible says about, could you guess? Forgiveness. And church, I just, I just wanna tell you, we cannot afford in Quincy and and where all of our campuses are, we cannot afford for our church to have people around us Google how to have forgiveness when we are the ones that have the word of life from Jesus Christ. We should be the Bible that they first read, knowing you can be forgiven. We just, yesterday I did a, for our church, I did a little Q&A, people sent in questions, and someone asked, they actually asked the question, I'm living with my boyfriend. Does God still love me? How could could you even, how could you not know that? But people don't. And church, this is our job, our message, to proclaim to the world the forgiveness and the love of Jesus Christ. That's the core of what's in this book. So, and now with that introduction, I'm ready to preach, you ready? I'm gonna do a little bit of coaching, and then uh, just a little bit of, uh, Uh, helping you get past what keeps you from the Bible. So I want to coach you by reading three passages of scriptures. This is the Bible talking about the Bible. This first one, you may already know, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuke, Correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to notice the word for scripture. It's a Greek word graphe. Then you can even hear in that Greek word our English word uh, gra- graffiti, calligraphy, graphics. That all comes from that Greek word. And that word means a written text. So Paul is saying that the written text of God's word, man, it is so useful for training, for rebuking, for correcting, for leading. This is a coach's guide to life. And that's what we expect out of the Bible. But there's a second verse where the Bible talks about the Bible. And it's from Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Maybe you've heard it. It says, for the word, this is the Greek word logos. It's not graphé. It's not the written word. Logos, I'm going to park here for just a second. It's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal in the Bible. Maybe you've heard Jerry preach on John 1, 1 before. In the beginning was the word. That's the word Logos. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the words or the statements of God. And so when we come to Hebrews, most people think, well, we're still talking about the written text. No, we're talking about the person of Jesus. You go, what? The word, but it says the word of God. Yeah, the Logos of God. Jesus, watch how this plays out. The word of God, the Logos of God, is alive and active. That fits Jesus more than this book. Although this this book has a living element to it, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates, even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. That's important. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Does this book do that? Yes, but only because of what Jesus said. Listen to verse 12. When he, when he says, it judges, nothing in all, cre-, I'm sorry, verse 13, Hebrews chapter four, verse 13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare, here it is, before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Now here's the, here's the big deal about this. Why, why am I pointing out the difference between graphe and logos, because? A lot of people think if I just read the Bible, then I'm going to, that's going to improve my spiritual life. Actually, a lot of times it doesn't. You and I both know some people who are judgy. They're narrow-minded, even mean-spirited. Just knowing this book might make you more judgmental, not more kind. That's not the kind of Bible study that is going to help move our church forward. Rather, every time we open up this book, it's not to read words on a page. It is to be introduced to a person and allow Jesus, the surgeon scalpel of God, to dissect us bone and marrow, to weed out what is in us that is hindering our spiritual growth, to show us, to lay bare before us our sin, our habits, our pains, our addictions. You cannot just read the Bible for information and expect it to go to transformation. It's only with a relationship with Jesus. Make sense? But there's one more. Uh, This comes from Ephesians chapter six. The apostle Paul is describing the armament of God. You got the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. There's only one offensive weapon. You know what it is? It is the sword of the Spirit. Let's just read the text together. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's a separate Greek word for word. It is the word rhema. R-H-E-M-A. Rhema is not what is written. It is not what is, what is experienced. It is the spoken Word of God. Now let me put this in perspective for you. A lot of people come to church and think, if I go to church, then Satan will leave me alone. Oh, no. He's actually not that concerned if you come to church. He's concerned when we go out to the community and we are the church. And the power of our offensive weapon to drive away the devil. I happen to believe in the reality of demons. Right here in the room, right now, I believe in the reality of demons and some of you are struggling right now with an addiction or a relationship, and you feel this ominous presence around you, your offensive weapon of the Word of God is not the printed text, it's the spoken Word of God. And until we speak out the truths of this book, whether you quote it verbatim, or whether you speak out the truth in a different set of words that you own, when you speak the Word of God, you send demons packing because they cannot stand against the truth of the Word of God. So whatever we do with Bible study, it has got to be with these three elements in mind. We open the Word so that we can open a relationship, so that we can open our mouths. You're all preachers. You may not be formally trained, and you may not have a stage to stand on, but you have an audience and that makes you a preacher. Every man, every woman, every child, when you speak the word of God, you have the power of God to transform a life like Stephanie, or Tiffany. You know, the funny thing about Tiffany is, I don't even know who brought her to the Lord. It's probably a neighbor. Maybe it's someone she works with. It's not someone with a fancy title or a lot of education. It's just someone who knew Jesus because they spent time with him in the word, and then spoke that out to Tiffany, and her life has changed not only her mother's life, not only her daughter's life, but her story has come clear here to Illinois. Imagine what you could do if you just began speaking the Word of God. Okay, so how are we gonna get started? I'm gonna get super practical here right now. We actually know why people don't read the Bible. And, um, so for, for Jerry and Clayton and myself, I just want to apologize right now. Because we keep telling people, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And people want to read the Bible, but they don't. It's not because they don't want to, it's because we haven't given them a clear path forward. So we, we've done some study of what hinders people from reading the Bible. And you know what the number one thing is? And you have to fix this, I can't fix this. You have to fix this. It is sin. When people have a sin that they want to hold on to, they tend to keep this book closed. If you want your life to progress, you have to confess the sin that is keeping you from the wisdom and the word of God. You you just do. But the other, the other things that keep us from the word of God, this is the survey, 34% of all people said, I want to read the Bible, but I don't. 34% said, here's the issue for me, is time. I just don't have enough time. Okay, so let me ask you a question. I think this is a fair question. How much time do you have? Like in a day, total number of hours? 24, ha, me too. I've got the exact same, <laughs> imagine that. So does the president so do the russians are so does your next everybody has 24 hours so i I hope this isn't offensive but let's just be honest time is not your problem priorities are your problem if you're going to be honest with yourself i I think it's going to be helpful to solve the problem don't say just stop saying i don't have enough time simply say i don't have enough of a priority That kind of honesty may shock your system into saying, okay, I need to rearrange some things so that the Word of God has some space. The way we've designed Core 52 is it's 15 minutes a day, and it's only five days a week. Anybody who prioritizes their spiritual life has plenty of time if they will put a priority on God's Word. 30, or 19% of people who surveyed said, why don't you read God's Word when you want to? 19% said, it's confusing. You know what? I will grant you that. (laughs) A a woman asked me yesterday, she goes, okay, so I'm unfamiliar with the Bible. I started reading the Bible, um, and so I started in Genesis. She's got about one month. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You go through Genesis, it's interesting stuff. I mean, Noah's Ark, that's cool. Abraham, that's cool. Circumcision, no thank you. Joseph's story is great. And then you get into Exodus, again, cool. Moses partner. I mean Moses, Charlton, Heston, whatever, it's like, he's, an, it's, it's a great story. Until you get to like chapter 25, then it starts telling you how to build a tabernacle. I'm out. And then it gets even worse. You get to Leviticus. Leviticus, what? Yeah, have you read Leviticus? It tells all the ways that you're supposed to sacrifice animals. Here's a fun fact, maybe you didn't know this. Leviticus was actually the very first book of the Bible that little Jewish boys memorized. You go, what, that's boring. Not if you're a little boy. Fire, knives, animals and blood, that's exciting stuff. But for us in the Western world, it's like, come on. You see the problem? We are distanced from the Bible by culture, by a lot of years, by languages. It's, un- listen, not your fault. No harm, no foul. It it can be confusing. That's why a good coach on your campus will help you if you just ask them, where do I I start? That's actually the the last question people have is, 90% of people say, I don't read the Bible because I don't know where to start, because I'm gonna tell you where to start. This is super simple, James. It's clear in the back of the Bible. It's five chapters, it's super practical. And I'll just give you a simple starter kit. If you've never read the Bible before, anybody can read the Bible. Anybody can understand it if you start in James. And I would challenge you to read one chapter a day. It will take maybe five minutes. I would read it maybe a couple of times. And I would tell you, every time you read a chapter, read one chapter a day and underline one verse in your Bible. Remember Tiffany's Bible? It's legal. You don't get struck by lightning if you write in the Bible. It's okay. Underline one verse. You say, well, what if I like five verses? Okay, underline five, but only highlight one. Here's why. That one verse, you are going to live out. You're gonna apply it for one hour. So well, what if I wanna apply it the rest of my life? Well, good luck. I Me, mean, you're a better person than I am. I'm being, I'm being totally transparent here. If you can take one verse and live it perfectly for one hour, One day, that's progress. So our challenge to you through Core 52 has been to engage in God's word. And you might be asking, well, what about when we're finished with Core 52? Or or maybe I don't have the book yet, or maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in a different community, and you're thinking, well, I wanna engage the Bible. What what do I do? If you're online, you can just ask a question. Where Where do I start? Start with James. Maybe then go to the Gospel of John. There's 21 chapters there. You could read one a month just during the weekdays. That would be a good place for you to go. Or maybe you've already done that. Where do I go next? Why don't you just type in a question uh, in the dialogue box online? But if you're on one of our campuses, you don't need to type anything. You could just, at this point right now, because we're moving into a time of decision right now, you can come talk to a, a real live human being who cares about you and will walk with you through this journey. Let's enter into this time of decision right now.
0: Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media.